All right, uh, next we're going to go ahead and uh, read our Psalms today. I don't get to do this that often, so I get to pick one of my favorites. So, for the direction of music, according to Gittith, the son of Korah and Psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out to the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home in a swallowing nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength in, is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make its place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayers, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk, whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's go ahead and stand up and do the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Shout your name, filling up the sky. 
Usually, I like to say something before we do communion. I'll tell you what. Let's do uh, let's do something kind of weird, okay? Let's everybody stand up.
Okay, everybody throw up, throw up your, right arm, your right arm. Everybody can do that. Now let's throw up the other arm. Now praise the Lord. This is what we call the church we used to go to. We would call this the rapture ready, right? This is a rapture. We're ready to go, right? This is what's going to happen when Jesus comes. Now see, that didn't hurt, did it? You can do that a lot if you want. Anyway, you can sit down. That's... I haven't done that in a long time. Rapture drill is what it's actually called. But anyways, we're looking for the Lord to come back. And when we do communion, that's what we do. We look back and we, and we look at about what he'd done for us, right? And when he was, the night he was betrayed, he took bread and broke it. And said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. And also in the same manner, he took the cup, which is the juice, the wine. He said, this is the blood of the New Testament. This is my blood. When you drink it, as often as you drink it, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. And that's what we're doing today, thinking back on what he did. And he said to do this in remembrance of him. So, one of these days, he's going to come back, and we get to see him. That's my heart's desire, just to look, see what he looks like. You know, Peter, James, and John, they was all, they was all walking around in the flesh with him. We don't know him in the flesh. When he comes back, he, he'll have his spirit body, and we'll get, we'll get to check it out. And the Bible says we'll be like him. We'll get this, we'll have those bodies like him, but we shall see him as he is. So think about that when you take communion today. And let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you for this day, giving us to live for you. And Lord, we ask you to bless this little communion service as we look back and see and remember Jesus and what he did for us. And we, God, we'll give you the praise and we ask it all in his precious name. And everybody said.
Good morning, everybody. Now is the time in the service for announcements. Um, in the foyer, you'll see uh, two plastic bins on the counter, um, one for pill bottle donations for Matthew 25 Ministries. The next is for used ink cartridges. If you have them, bring, bring those in, and they help reduce cost of office supplies. Food pantry closed closets every Thursday, 5 to 7. There's a list there of um, most frequently needed items. If you want to come and serve or drop off donations or encourage other people to drop off donations, they can be collected every dropped off every Thursday, 5 to 7. Refits, free dance fitness class every Tuesday and Thursday here in the sanctuary, 6.30 to 7.30. Mellon Ridge Nursing Home Church Ministry is the fourth Sunday of every month at 2 p.m. There is a sign-up out on the welcome table. Breakfast is better when we eat together. Breakfast Fellowship is the first Sunday of the month, so today was the day. If you missed it, I'm so sorry if you're starving. <laughs> there might be some left, but you'll have to wait till after service. Um, but it's the first Sunday of the month at 9.30. We're just kinda, it's a time to get together and meet new people, um, come and eat and fellowship with people. Well, food brings people to the table. Empty Nesters Bible Study, um, they've been deep in this book uh, based on the Ten Commandments for the last several weeks, uh, Thursdays, 10 a.m. at Ruth Liming's house. Area Christian Women's Fellowship Dinner is Thursday, October 20th at 6.30, hosted by Felicity Christian Church. Um, there is a charge for the dinner, and paid reservations need to be made today, please, to Sharon Ponchot. If you have any questions or feel like it's not something that you can afford, just let um, one of the elders know. Um, making s'more memories, Goshen Community Family S'mores Night is going to be held here um, outside. Um, we're going to have a fire, some, make some s'mores, and make some memories Sunday, October 16th, 6.30 to 8 p.m. Tithes and offerings can be given in person or given online. This is the magic number for our weekly budget and some ministries that you support through the giving here. Thank you so much. So I won't spend a whole lot chit-chatting and getting to the introduction because we got a lot to cover today. So hopefully you guys recorded the video game or video or <laughs> not video game, but the Bengals playing today because I'm going to keep you guys a long time. No, I'm just kidding. But there is a lot to cover over. Um, so I was meditating on God's word and I believed that he led me to a specific subject and that is being a child of God. So... Since, like I said, there's a lot to cover, let's jump into the first verse, which is John 1.12. And when you get there, please stand up for the reading of God's word. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You may be seated. So I want you to notice three things from this verse. Number one, let's put the word received in context with the beginning of this chapter. It says his own didn't receive him. Most of the Jewish leaders couldn't accept that Jesus is the Christ. You can get pretty deep on what being the Christ meant, so I do recommend that you go to the Old Testament and study that out. But simply put, it means divine king. Also in this chapter, it tells us that Jesus is a living word who existed during creation. So to accept Jesus, we accept his word and that he is the Christ. That our ideas and our thoughts can actually clash with the word of God. So we need to make sure we study all the Bible to prevent us from taking one or two verses 
out of context. Um, For example, in Mark 16, it says, My name they will speak in tongues, among them other signs that will show that they are children of God. But also in 1 Corinthians 12, we learn that only some of the people have the gift of tongues. The word teaches us all about who Jesus is so we can accept him for who he is. If we don't learn who Jesus is, how can we know him? If we don't know him, how can we accept him? The second thing to notice is believe in his name. When we are talking about his name, we are talking about his authority. Jesus has authority to heal the sick, has authority to command demons to leave. He has authority over the wind and the waves and anything on earth. Jesus has authority to forgive sins. This is why there is power in his name. It's not a magic word that we just say Jesus. This is why we should pray without ceasing. We want to go straight to the king of kings. I'm not going to pray through Mary, the mother of Jesus, because she doesn't have the same authority that Jesus has. That doesn't mean we don't pray for one another. That just means we want to pray for one another in Jesus' name. Which means we pray authorized by Jesus, asking for his power and his authority to answer our prayers. If you truly believe in his name, your life will be changed. And if you already do, you know what I'm talking about. The third thing to notice, if you accept and believe, you have the right to become a child of God. I know there's a lot of teachers that teach you believe and right then and there, your sins are gone and you are a child of God. This verse says it gives you the right to become, not as soon as we believe. So let's look a little deeper about how to become a child of God. So when does childhood start? Most most of the moms in this room remember. From birth. We can find this in John 3, 3 through 7. And Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Stupid question. Just kidding. Surely they cannot enter the womb a second time to be born. Jesus answered, Verily truly I tell you, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. To be a, a child of God, we need to be born of water and spirit. Most people understand spirit, but what is born of water? In this passage, it doesn't really tell us. From my studies, it could be two things. We'll start with number one. The water is the word of God, which we can see in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. 
and to present herself to himself, present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Paul instructs husbands to cleanse their wives like Jesus cleansed the church with water. So what is the water in that verse? The word of God. But wait, that famous song says nothing but the blood of Jesus can take away our sins. Well, the word of God doesn't teach that it's only the blood of Jesus that cleanses the sins of his followers. Let's look at some other verses that give us insight on the relationship between God's word and being born again. In James 1.18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Also in 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So you can see that the Bible teaches us through the word that washes like water, we are born again. But there also is a second thought on that water. Second thought is baptism is being born of water. And this is what I lean more towards. Um, Either way, the Bible teaches us both are tied to the process of being born again. In Acts 2.38 and 39, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This first comes after a group of people believe that Jesus is the Christ, and they ask, what should we do? It's interesting to note that after they believe, Peter told them what they needed to do to have forgiveness of sins. In Colossians 2.11, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised through him, your faith in working of God, who raised you or raised him from the dead. Ananias also said to Paul in Acts twenty two sixteen, And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. And then another verse, the final verse on baptism, I think. First uh, Peter 3.21, Peter is comparing salvation. I'm just going to kind of give you the short version because there's so much to cover here. Peter is comparing salvation of Noah and the water and how he used water to save him. He compares that to baptism. And it says, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. Also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but a pledge of a clear conscience toward God. 
It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter explains it is not the water that saves you. It's the pledge to God that saves you through baptism. That happens through believing, which is tied to baptism. If we believe in Christ, we believe in what he says. Jesus commanded us to get baptized. Jesus made sure to instruct his disciples to baptize all people, teaching them to follow all of his commands, which is interesting that he put that side command in all the other commands. You can kind of see the importance there. As the scriptures taught that we read, when we are baptized, we are making a pledge that we are leaving our old self behind and becoming a new person. And in other words, born again. Simply being dunked in water doesn't mean you have been baptized. Being dunked in water and someone declares you have been baptized doesn't mean that you've been baptized. It's when you have decided in your heart that you believe, and because of that, you are baptized. This belief is not just, I believe Jesus is real, though you need to believe that Jesus is real. This belief is not just that he died for our sins, even though you must believe that to be baptized. It's also pledging that you are leaving your old self in the water and believing when you come out of that water, you're going to become a new person. And that new person is resurrected out of the water like the resurrection of Christ. Whether you think born of water is baptism or washing of the word, it doesn't matter. Either way, we need both examples of this in our lives to be born again. That's why it is good to study and know a wide variety of topics in the Bible. So why should we want to be a child of God? It's good to be a child of God because of the exclusive benefits for his children. God gives good gifts to his children. And we can find this in Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Which of you, if you... Your son asks for a bread, we'll give you a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God gives his children good gifts. Not like when you're praying to be rich, but like when you're praying for strength and faith and love and kindness, and gentleness, and patience, and things like that. God sometimes does give us things to enjoy, but more importantly, he gives us things to help us stay pure and have the abilities to carry out his perfect will. The children of God have an awesome father. And if you have an awesome father, he will discipline you. Even though that doesn't feel good, at the time, it shapes us in who we're meant to be. A good father tries to influence you with discipline. So you don't do things that are bad for you. We can talk to God the Father and know that he hears us. Another amazing thing about being a child of God is that we are a part of a family. That we can lean on each other through tough times that we can confess our shortcomings to each other and pray for each other. That we can grow in Christ, becoming closer than family, 
being able to relate each other on a deep spiritual level. Maybe the biggest perk is that we get to enter the kingdom of heaven when we leave this world. Since we look forward to this, I would want to have all the info to ensure I don't miss my reward. So there used to be this guy named Maury Povich who had his own talk show. (laughs) And I don't even have to say much and everybody's laughing. Later in his career, he shifted the theme of his shows to people disputing over who was the father of the child. Usually it would be an ex-girlfriend claiming that someone is the father of the kid. Um, They would have this big build-up, telling stories, arguing. Sometimes you'd have the dude in the chair. He looks exactly like the kid. And he's like, "Ah, I'm not the father. And they got like the same unibrow or whatever. Looked exactly. So there was this giant build-up. And of course, Maury didn't just hand him the paternity test right then and there. They had to argue and he dragged it out and made everybody feel awful. But then the paternity test would come. And you would either hear, you are the father or you are not the father. But you know, as I thought about that, how devastating is that for the kid to hear those words, not the father? Even more important is to know if God's our father. There are many preachers these days that will point at a crowd and say, don't you know you're a child of God? even though he does not even know everyone in that crowd. Often you'll hear him say something like, the problem is you don't know your identity in God. Well, the problem with this is why should we assume that everyone who shows up to church is a child of God? The same John from the Gospel of John also wrote three letters in the New Testament. And this is helpful to explain you know, whether you are a child of God. In fact, I would, I would call this 1 John, well, 1 John specifically, I would call that a DNA test if someone is interested in seeing if they are a child of God. There are at least four clear things in 1 John that indicates whether someone is a child of God. So how do we identify a child of God? Number one, they believe Jesus is the Christ. And this is found in 1 John 5.1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, born again. And everyone who loves the Father loves the child as well. This verse says, believe Jesus is the Christ. This is the king of the Old Testament that the prophets talked about. Jesus is the king of kings. He has an everlasting kingdom. The kingdom that the children of God to get to be a part of. With all the things that are messed up in this world, I am glad to be a child of God. So I can fix my eyes on a perfect king and a perfect kingdom. And that there is more in this life than what we see now. So how to identify a child of God. Number two, they love. So I kind of define this through John because, you know, we say love all the time. I love chocolate. I love a football team or something like that. 
So you can find this in 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So how does John define love? Well, you can find that just a little bit further um, in 1 John 5, 2 through 4. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is the love for God to keep his commands. His commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Carrying out Jesus' commands aren't work if we are motivated by love. Being a Christian for a while, I've seen the enemy exploit this at times. He gets brothers and sisters in Christ focused on money and building, how activities are ran, and non-spiritual issues. I'm not saying it's wrong to address some of those things and care about some of those things. But the number one thing is to love God and love people. If anything we do causes division, we really need to slow down and think, is this worth dividing over? We need to choose our battles, especially since we aren't supposed to be battling each other. We're supposed to be on the same team, battling dark, invisible spiritual forces. How do, I, how to identify a child of God? Number three, they do righteous things. This can be found in 1 John 2.29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. The nature of someone who is born again is different. They do what is righteous because they want to be like their father in heaven. This includes taking care of people in need, lifting people up with our words. We don't want to be self-righteous. So we need to read the Bible and let it guide us. Without the word of God, we are only left to follow the word of self. How to identify a child of God. Number four, they don't continue in sin. This is found in 1 John 3, 9 through 10. No one who is born of God will continue in sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do or whoever, anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. The children of God are no longer sinners. Sinners are those who continue in sin. If you are a child of God, you are no longer a slave to sin. You have the power to abandon it. Paul says it best in Romans 6, 17 through 18. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance, that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. 
So why do Christians not have faith that we can abandon sin? John said he wrote this letter so we would not sin. Let me be clear. A lot of people think no one can do this because it means they have to be perfect. Or if you're not perfect, you're not a child of God. Remember, a father disciplines the children when they make mistakes. In Hebrews, it says God disciplines his children. Also in 1 John, it says if we sin, we would confess our sins and he would cleanse us from our sins. If a child of God sins, they don't continue. They repent. Then they become repenters. When God reveals things, we turn away from it. John also mentions in his letter, which I'm not sure if it's in 1 John or 2 John, but there are sins that lead to death and are deadly. I'm not going to get into that because I don't have time, but I, I do want you to be aware there is a difference between some sins and others, and some will kill your soul. One other thing to consider is if you are a child of God, can you be disowned? 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. Paul writes this to a church. This was not used to instruct non-believers. Also in Luke 15.11-24, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate so I can divide his property between them. Not longer after that, the son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth with wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out. And go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw saw him. And filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, And kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. 
He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So why did they celebrate? Because it says in there, for my son was dead. So did his heart stop? We can't live with the father and live however we want. So the son went to a distant country and left his father behind. When you leave the father, you disown the father. Have you ever strayed from the father to pursue wild living? I have. I had said the prayer. I believed what I knew of Jesus. And I had been baptized. To my knowledge, I was a son of God. But I left his kingdom to pursue partying. At this time, my son was just a little, my oldest son was just a little toddler. There were people partying outside my place of employment. And I said in my heart, this is what I want. I miss drinking. Plus, at that time, the people at my church drank. I remember I got so hammered that I stayed out all night. I didn't even call Sarah and let her know where I was. At that time, Sarah and I were going to this church in Kenwood movie theater, and we helped them set up. One of the times we were in the church parking lot, well, at the Kenwood Mall parking lot, um, on the way to church, and I was so hungover, I had to have her stop the car so I could throw up right there in the parking lot. I would sing praise songs to God, and I would go to church Sunday after Sunday. But even though I praised God, my heart was so far from him. My heart was in a distant country. I wanted my inheritance now, and I didn't want to wait until I died to live. This was before yellow. Thanks be to the preacher at the church who convinced me to read my Bible. When I realized I was dead and I needed to come back to the Father to live. Remember, the father wasn't mad. He was relieved when his son came back. He is ready to welcome his children to come back. To celebrate because the children of God means so much to him. Let us not go after our inheritance now. Let's chase an inheritance that lasts forever in heaven. Let's not run like the prodigal son. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father in heaven, please help those who aren't your children to desire to become children. Help your children to encourage the world to become children. And help those children to keep their eyes on you and inheritance that never passes away. To invest our time, our energy, and our love on things that matter and will last forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're going to close. Um, I'm going to do the Lord's blessing. And then after that, we're going to do one last song. And we'll have people, uh, if they want to come up for prayer, they can.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Oh.